Because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us into His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We've been preaching out of these verses since Sunday morning out of the First Peter chapter 5, and we won't review everything that we have said, uh, but we do know in First Peter chapter 5, we know that he's given an admonition to the preachers, to the pastors. They have a twofold responsibility as an as a elder, as a pastor. Uh, they are to feed the flock of God. You know what you feed sheep? You feed them sheep food. And, uh, you know, Brother Eddie Davis made this statement years ago. He said, if you'll feed sheep sheep food, you'll starve out the goats. He said, because goats don't eat sheep food, and, or, or wolves rather. He said, wolves don't eat sheep food, wolves eat sheep. He said, but if you'll just feed the sheep, he said, the wolves will starve out and go somewhere else. I've not always done that in my ministry. Sometimes I've spent more time swinging at the wolves instead of feeding the sheep. I hope I've matured a little bit in my preaching in that regard, but my obligation is to feed the flock of God. Every once in a while, you got to take a swing at a wolf. Uh, but most of the time, you just feed the sheep, and the wolves, they don't like that Bible preaching. They'll go off somewhere else and, and find them something else or get out of church all completely. And so he says to feed, and then I'm to lead. I'm to be an example to the flock of God. And then we preached verse, verses 5 and 6 Sunday morning about the subject of humility. A word about humility. And then Sunday night, the Lord, I believe, really helped us with a word about anxiety. Casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Tonight I want to preach out of verses 8, 9, and 10. Sunday morning we preached on humility. Sunday night we preached on anxiety. Tonight I want to preach on sobriety. Being sober. Now, when we think of the word sober in this day and age, we're thinking about somebody who is not intoxicated with alcoholic beverages. By the way, wine is a mocker, and strong drink is a rage, and whosoever deceived thereby is not wise. Amen. It is a sin to drink wine. It is a sin to drink alcohol, to drink beer. Amen. I don't care what... There's a preacher. You don't know who he is. His name's Steve Lawson. He's a hyper-Calvinist. A lot of guys listen to him. I've read some of his books, listened to some of his uh, lectures on prep, sermon preparation. He has some good things, but he came out with a video the other day giving eight reasons why it's okay uh, for a Christian to drink alcoholic beverages. I've read my last Steve Lawson book. Amen. Amen. Why? Because if a man's okay with drinking alcohol, he's certainly not filled with the Spirit. Because the Bible said, Be not drunk with wine, wherein it's excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Amen. And so you'd be amazed at, the, at the, a lot of people that believe that drinking is okay. Uh, but I, the Bible's still against it. Amen. And don't come up, and I know you won't, I'm just preaching, alright? But people want to come up, well, Jesus made wine. And, well, if you make it like Jesus made it, Amen. He didn't have no corn in there. Somebody help me. He didn't do it like Uncle Jesse and Bo and Luke did on the Dukes of Hazard. Somebody say, I like them two little old ladies on Andy Griffith who were making elixir for special holidays. Season one. You have to be a dedicated Andy Griffith fan to know that episode, alright? That's not what we're talking about here. And so, uh, this word sober in this text, it means to be calm. 
to be collected in spirit. Then he'll give the word that is a, a sister word of the word sober, and it is the word vigilant. The word vigilant means to watch, to give strict attention to, to be cautious. Now these verses tonight are not teaching us, and some people believe this, but these verses are not teaching us that we can't smile and enjoy life. Now, I know some people that say they're saved, and they'll say, Boy, I have joy in Jesus. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, if I had what you had, I'd, I'd sell it, and, you know, I'd, I'd sell it, buy me a dog, and shoot the dog. I mean, no joy, no excitement, no peace. That's not what that's talking about. But rather, Peter is instructing us that we as the people of God need to have a soberness and a seriousness about us, especially when it comes to our adversary. John Phillips said, Be sober, be vigilant. These words call upon us to keep our wits about us and to be watchful of what is going on around us because the enemy is on the prowl. I wrote this down. We do not need to be afraid of the devil, for he was defeated at Calvary. But we do need to be aware of the devil, for he detests the Christian. You don't have to be afraid of him because he's a defeated foe, but you better be aware of him because he hates your guts. Be sober. Be vigilant. He didn't say be fearful. Papa said, boy, I'm scared of the devil. That's not what Peter said to do. He said, be sober. Be vigilant. You better watch out. You better, you better have vigilance. You better give strict attention and make sure that you are walking. In fact, if you look up that word vigilant, you do a, a close word study on it, it gives the idea of walking circumspectly. Is that not what Paul said in Ephesians 5? Uh, to walk circumspectly? Dr. Harold B. Sider said the word picture of walking circumspectly is an old tomcat walking along a fence rail with Doberman pinchers on this side and Rottweilers on this side. He is walking circumspectly. He is walking every step that he takes. And so I want to deal with this subject of sobriety tonight out of these verses. First of all, if you're taking notes, write this down. We note in verse number 8, the Christian's adversary. The Christian's adversary. Let's look at the verse again. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. There are three things that we note about our adversary in verse number 8. Write them down. First of all, we know the accuser in this text. He said, because your adversary... The devil. Now, you ever looked up the word devil to see what it means? You look it up in, in the dictionary and you'll find two pictures. You'll find Hillary Clinton's and Nancy Pelosi's pictures. Just making sure you're away. Now, if you look up the word devil in a dictionary, it means accusing falsely. One who makes false accusations. I wrote this down. He is personal in this text. For Peter said, your adversary. You've got somebody that hates you tonight. He is your adversary. He is my adversary. Now, have you ever thought about why the devil hates you? You have? You ever thought about why the devil hates you and does not like you? 
Why he does not appreciate you? I don't have you do this much. Well, let's turn a little bit tonight. Let's go to Isaiah chapter number, Isaiah chapter 14. I quoted these verses Sunday, but I want you to put your eyes on a couple verses tonight. Isaiah chapter number 14, you turn there with me. I didn't mark my pages because I wanted to turn with you, but apparently I win the sword drill tonight because I'm already here. Isaiah chapter number 14, and then we're going to look at a, at a verse in Ezekiel and try to make a point to you tonight. Why does the devil hate us? Why? Why? I see our adversary. Isaiah chapter number 14 and verse number 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? Now, now turn to Ezekiel chapter number 28. You found Isaiah? Turn left and go to the book of Ezekiel. It's hard to miss. It's right before the book of Daniel. Ezekiel chapter number 28. Chapter 28 is right after chapter 27. That's right. Ezekiel chapter number 28. I want you to put your eyes on these verses and look at this tonight. Ezekiel chapter number 28 and verse number 13. The Lord has taken up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus who is acting on behalf of the devil. And Ezekiel chapter 28 verse 13. He's speaking to the devil and he says this. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardis and the topaz and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle and gold, the workman's uh, ship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in, in thee the day thou wast created. Now what do we learn about the devil in these two verses? Here's what we learn. We learn in Isaiah chapter number 14 verse 12, he is called Lucifer. If you look up that word Lucifer in a dictionary, it means light bearer. One that bears light. And then if you look up in Ezekiel 28, the verses we've read, he has described musical instruments. He has described things that go along with music. And so the devil's job before he was cast out of heaven, are you listening to me tonight, the devil's job uh, before he was cast out of heaven was he brought light to the glory of God and he brought music to the glory of God. But when he got lifted up in pride and he got lifted up in himself and he said, I will ascend above the most high and I will be like the most high. He had those five eyes of pride in that text. God cast him out of heaven into the second heaven. Don't get me started on all of that. But God cast him down. Now, why does he hate us so much? Well, turn to Matthew chapter number 5 now. Matthew chapter number 5, and we'll read some verses there. Some of you ain't used your Bible all week. Your page is still new. Turn with me. Matthew chapter number 5. That's the first book in the New Testament. Alright? Matthew chapter number 5, and we'll begin our reading in verse number 14. Remember what Lucifer's name means. Somebody tell me, what does his name mean? Light bearer. He's one that bears light. He's the one that bears light for God. But look at Matthew chapter 5 verse 14. Jesus says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And He giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. If we were to look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, it talks about us praising the Lord in song 
psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. What was the devil's job in eternity past? It was to bring light to the glory of God and to glorify God with music. But now he got too big for his britches. He was cast out of heaven and he was he's headed to a place called hell. But now here's what God went and did. He went below the bottom and he saved you and I and washed us in the blood of Calvary. Us who are not perfect beings. Us who were, who were created and we were born uh, in sin. Not created in sin, but we were born in sin. Adam and Eve rebelled against God. Oh, but now because we've been to Calvary and our sins are washed away, now we are the light of the world. Now we are the ones that God has put a new song in our mouth, even praising our God. You know why the devil hates you tonight? You know why the devil hates me tonight? Because we got his job. We are now the ones bearing light for the glory of God. We are the ones tonight who have lifted up our voice and praise and saying to the Lord, no wonder he hates us. Your adversary. But then only notice he's personal. Back in 1 Peter 5, he is persistent. Your adversary, the devil. Now, we said that word devil means accuser, false accuser. According to Revelation chapter 12, verse number 10, you write that verse down, we won't turn for sake of time. Uh, but John, when he looked up in that heavenly scene, Brother Charles, he saw the devil, and he is called the accuser of the brethren, which means that he stands before God even now. He is standing before God right now, and he is telling God how sorry Josh Montgomery is, how wicked he is, how he don't deserve. He is accusing me uh, before the Father. And I'll be honest with you tonight, I, I give him a lot of material. I give him a lot of evidence uh, to throw in the face of God. But I got to thinking about that the other morning. You know, if that word devil means that he is a false accuser, uh, that means he, he he's, his accusations are false. Are you hearing me? John 8, 44, Jesus said that the devil uh, is a liar and the father of it and the truth is not in him. So according to John 8, 44, now put your thinking caps on, according to John 8, 44, the devil cannot tell the truth. But I know he's accusing me before the father and I know what he's saying is right. So how do we justify those two things? Hebrews 9, because the Lord said their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. So in, my, in the case of God, oh, when the devil stands before God and saying, I know William, he's wicked, he ain't right, he ain't no good, God said, I have no idea what you're talking about. Because oh, when I look at William's record, it says paid in full by the blood of my son. Aren't you glad tonight? Yes, he is the accuser of the brethren. Oh, yes, he accuses us. But he is a false accuser. Now, I want to remind us, I'm wicked in my flesh. I ought to get right with God. I ought to forsake sin and repent. Oh, but thank God there's a part of me uh, that is righteous before God for I am seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and God is looking at Satan and says I have no idea what you're talking about the last time I saw their sin my son carried him up Calvary's hill and he come off the other side singing what sins are you talking about I don't remember them anymore he is a false accuser He's the accuser in this text. Not only notice the accuser in verse number 8, but then I want you to notice his appearance in verse number 8. The Bible said, Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about. I want to remind you tonight, the devil is nothing more than a copycat. He copies everything that the Lord Jesus does. 
He's got an unholy trinity. The beast, the false prophet, the Antichrist. Just like God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. He has a false Bible. Anything other than a King James. Somebody help me right there. I know that ain't proper, but that's still right. He, he's got a false, he's got false preachers. He, he's got a false church, which is that one world church, which probably going to look like a big contemporary church. Don't get me started on that. He's, he's, he's a copycat. Well, ain't it interesting in our text? He comes as a roaring lion. Revelation 5, you know what John said when he saw in heaven? He saw, he saw the lion of the tribe of Judah, the Lord Jesus. He ain't nothing but a copycat. But did you know that the king of the jungle is not George? Hey, man, and it's not Brendan Fraser either for all you people that love Brendan Fraser, all right? Boy, he looks horrible now. <laughs> Amen. Uh, but some of y'all don't act like, who is Brendan Fraser? You're not that spiritual, okay? Oh, yeah, my wife like, thinks he's pretty too. Uh, but anyway, uh, used to be, yeah, time has made a change. <laughs> but uh, you know who the king of the jungle is? The lion is the king of the jungle. Uh, the lion is. You know the lion has no natural predator out in the wild? I know man's a predator, all you tree huggers, all right, I get that. Uh, but do you know that the lion has no natural predator? In fact, I read this, the only predator that a lion has is a bigger lion. So yeah, the devil may come like a lion, but I'm going to have a bigger lion that's going to take care of him. His, his, his accusation in verse 8, and then we notice his appearance, but then we notice his aim in verse 8. Seeking whom he may devour. I'm talking about the Christian's adversary in verse number 8. His, he, he's, a, he's an accuser, his appearance, and his aim. He's seeking whom he may devour. I will remind, our, I will remind all of us tonight uh, that, that the devil is no friend of us. He has, he has the only desire is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. You look up that word devour, and that's exactly what it means to destroy. He wants to destroy every young person in this building tonight. He wants to destroy every home in this church tonight. He wants to destroy every life represented here tonight. And we need to be sober of that. We need to be aware of that. The Christian's adversary. Then secondly, look at verse number 9. Don't worry, the first point, the first point, the last two points ain't as long as the first point. The Christian's adversary. But then look at verse number 9. The conveyed authority. Look at verse number 9. Let's read it. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. What is this conveyed authority? The verse, the, the, there's a, there's a, 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 a semicolon. Uh, is that right, Miss Linda? Two dots. Colon. Close. <laughs> I'm 50% right. Amen. I could have said there's two dots. <laughs> there's, a, there's a colon that means that the, the subject continues to the next verse. He said, whom? That whom goes back to that devil in verse 8. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. Well, how, how, what is that authority we have? First of all, look at verse number 9. We must stand. He said, whom resist. The word resist means to set oneself against, to oppose, to say no to. You know, you don't have to commit any sin if you just say no to it. You know, everybody wants to, you know, you got these, high, these, uh, these uh, crazy um, charismatics. You know, they're going to rebuke the devil. They're going to rebuke the devil. And their women can't quit wearing britches, but they're going to rebuke the devil. Somebody help me. They're going to rebuke the devil. They can't quit smoking their cigarettes and doing their drugs and looking at pornography, but they're going to rebuke the devil. They can't pay their bills and they've stole money from every church from here to kingdom come, D.R. Harrison, but they're going to rebuke the devil. Well, you know, resisting the devil in James 4 is 
is a prerequisite to something. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. You're not going to resist the devil until you get submissive. Amen. Now, don't die on me because I said all that. Y'all help me. I, I've been here 11 years. Y'all know where I'm at on this stuff, all right? Just preaching the Bible. Amen. I'll get yours in later, I promise you. If I didn't get yours in, I'll get it later. If, if I missed anything, it's purely accident. Everybody wants to get the devil to flee from them, they don't want to submit to God. It goes back to the earlier part of our text when he's talking about submitting one to another. Amen. In the fear of God, Ephesians 5 says, if you want to have victory, you've got to submit. We must stand. But then we must be scriptural. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. The word faith here is the conviction of truth. When we say faith here, there's sometimes this word faith is talking about have faith in God. Believe the Lord. The particular context of this verse, when it says whom resist steadfast in the faith, it's talking about this book. It's talking about the conviction of truth. We get truth. Thy word is truth. So how do we how do we stand against the wiles of the devil? How do we survive? Well, we've got to submit to God, but then we got to be scriptural. You know, Matthew chapter four. I, I preached this before, but it, it, it's so true. We need to we need to hit it again. When the de- when the devil tempted Jesus in the wilderness. By the way, it was not the temptation of Christ. Listen to me now. Christ means Messiah. The chosen of God. That's His authority. Jesus was His human name. That shall call His name Jesus. So Jesus, when He was tempted, His his deity was not tempted. Christ was not tempted. Jesus was tempted. You read Matthew 4, you read Luke, Mark 1, it, Jesus was led up. Not Christ. Jesus was led up. That flesh was tempted. Of course, we know He could not yield to the temptation. He had no ability. There's preachers that believe that he could. I can't help it, they're wrong. If he could have yielded the temptation, that means he could have sinned. Somebody said, well, it wasn't a real temptation then. It, the deck was loaded against the devil. Let's just put it like that. Why did Jesus go through this, though? To help us in our temptation. If he had performed some miracle against the devil that day, you and I would have told him have no hope because we can't perform miracles. But here's what he did. It is written. He quoted Scripture back to the devil. When he was tempted to sin, he just simply quoted Scripture. That's why the psalmist said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. That's why it's so important, young people. That's why it's so important to everybody uh, to commit Scripture to memory. Well, preacher, I can't remember as good as I used to. Join the club. Uh, but you ought to have Scripture around your house. Have a, that's why we try to send a verse of Scripture out every day. I hope you enjoy that. Send a verse of Scripture out every morning uh, just to have something on your phone where you can look down maybe at your lunch break and be reminded of a verse of Scripture to help you throughout the day. There's victory in God's Word. We must stand. We must be scriptural. Within verse number 9, the latter part, we must be spiritual. Y'all still with me? He resists steadfast in the faith. Here's, here's the spirituality. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplishing your brethren that are in the world. Now let's do a little context of the book of 1 Peter. Peter is writing to believers who have been scattered because of persecution. They've been scattered. If you read 1 Peter 1.1, 1, 1, they've been scattered a bunch of, uh, around a bunch of nations. They were in Jerusalem, but when that persecution came, we've read in the book of Acts, they spread, which was God's way of spreading the gospel. So God worked what man wanted for evil, God worked it to good. He seems to have a habit of doing that, don't He? So He's encouraged them. They're suffering. They've had to leave their homes, their families, their livelihood. They're trying to start new lives. 
They're, they're trying to live out this new Christian faith. But watch what Peter says. Look, I know you are going through stuff. Watch what he says. Knowing the same afflictions are accomplishing your brethren that are in the world. Here's what Peter's saying. Quit whining about your suffering. You ain't the only one. Hello? Which goes back to humility. He said that the, the same thing you're going through, somebody else is going through it. It'd do us all well to remember that tonight. We, and I'm not being insensitive, okay? We ain't the first one that's buried a loved one. We ain't the first one that's had a financial crisis. We ain't the first one that's ever got sick. We ain't the first one that's ever been betrayed. There's other people that's gone through that, and they made it through. I'm not being insensitive. Anybody's trouble, there's help in trouble. But here's what I'm saying tonight in this text. He is teaching us that the same afflictions are accomplishing our brethren in the world. We're not the only ones. Mark chapter 4, I preached that storm many times, that Jesus, then the disciples got in that ship to go to the other side, and there's a little, th- little phrase that often gets overlooked, and there were with Him also other little ships that got in the same storm that the big ship got in. Now, that big ship they was in was only about 16 feet long. Can you imagine how small the other ones were? I mean, that's, man, that's a small boat. There's other little ships, and they're in the same storm. Here's why the Lord put that little phrase in there. Remind them that you may be going through something, but there's people that's in that same situation that are not as strong and big as you are that are facing it. Jesus wasn't on their boat. We ain't the first ones. Hey, it'd do us all well. I, I, I'm going I'm to I'm hammer this again. Do us all well to get your eyes off of you. Don't be self-centered. Don't be selfish. If the world re- does revolve, it doesn't revolve around you. And it doesn't revolve around me. Amen. I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you tonight, it's, it, Paul, Peter said, get your eyes off yourself. Amen. So there is the Christian's adversary. There's the conveyed authority. Here's the last thing. Verse number 10. There's the calming assurance. Verse number 10. Let's look at it. i got five minutes. But the God of all grace, who hath called us into His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. What is the assurance in this verse? Three things. Number one, we have grace. Verse 10. But the God of all grace. He said you might be going through things, but God will give you grace for it. We dealt with that a little bit Sunday night, how Paul said, he said the Lord wouldn't take that thorn from him, but he said, my grace is sufficient for thee. We have grace in verse 10. We have glory in verse 10. Look at it again, please. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus. Called us unto. This is the realm in which the devil cannot dwell. He can't stand the glory of God, for he was cast out of God's presence and God's glory. He still has access to accuse us, but not like He did before. I'm glad there's a place the devil can't follow me, amen. We have grace, we have glory, but then look at the latter parts of verse 10. We have some guarantees. You know, Peter lived out these verses. As I was studying this, going over my notes again tonight before the service, I I got to thinking about Peter's life through here, Brother Eric. He lived out all this. Watch what he says. There's the suffering. He said, uh, after that you have suffered a while. He reminds us in this verse that just because you're saved and living for God, you're not exempt from suffering. But I love that little phrase, you suffered a while. Then say you suffered your whole life. You're going to suffer a little while. He reminds us about the suffering. He reminds us about the, stab, uh, the, about the strategy. Make you perfect. 
That little phrase, make you perfect, means to make one what he ought to be. Don't that sound like he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be? He's perfecting me. There is, there is the, establish, the establishment. He, they said, he said, establish, which means to make firm. He's giving you a foundation. Strengthen, to make strong. Settle you. Gives the idea of settling you down. You see that in Peter's life? Let's recap Peter's life real quickly in two minutes. Anything we can do it? God comes by one, Jesus comes by one day, sees a brother casting that and says, Peter, follow me. Peter's got foot and mouth disease, just like I do. He's always sticking his foot in his mouth. I'm just glad I can get my leg back up there and back down. After riding that swirl last night, I thought I was going to have a bruised hip because I had Dax and the side that pushing me against that thing. Man, that's rough. That whole sp- I'm getting, I know I'm getting old. I'm finally getting old like William and Tony because I can't handle this no more. Can't handle it anymore. I mean, I can't handle the merry-go-round anymore. Y'all pray for me. That's right. That's rough. But, uh, you know, Peter just running his mouth. He's young and brash. The Lord said, I'm going to go to the cross and die. Jesus, the Peter grabs my lapel. Be apart from me, Lord. Uh, you just grabbed God, sir. <laughs> it's not a good idea. There's a whole lot of people in hell already for doing a whole lot less than that. Then he stands up in Luke 22. I'll never. These old, all these guys going to leave you, Jesus. I'll never leave you. Peter looked at him and said, Satan hath desired to have thee, that he may sift you as wheat. Huh. Peter, you better be sober. You better be vigilant, Peter. Peter's an old man when he writes this text. I think he knew something about verse 8. I think he knew something about humility. Because God humbled him. And I, saw, I think that's why Peter said, you better humble yourself because you don't want God to have to humble you. Been there, done that. And he knew something about anxiety. He failed the Lord and thought God was done with him. And he knew something about sobriety because he wasn't sober. The devil got him. But Jesus did say this, but I pray for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Do you know that prayer got answered? All the Lord's prayers get answered. That's why it's always good to pray the Lord's prayers. Because they always get answered. And in the book of Acts, yeah, Peter still got some rough edges. He's a different man, though. He stands up on the day of Pentecost, preaches one sermon, 3,000 get saved. Goes to two chapters later, preaches again, 5,000 get saved. And you know what he's done the last three services? He strengthened this church through his writings. If anyone knew the need to be sober and aware of the devil, it was Peter. But I'm grateful tonight that failure is not final with the Father. And though I failed the Lord, He's never failed me. So take it from a guy that knows. When Peter writes this, he says, You better be sober and you better be vigilant. Because your adversary the devil... Boy, this is so. Don't that make a little bit more sense now when you think about Peter's life in these verses? I wonder if Peter's saying, if I had listened to the Lord, it could have saved me some heartache. There's a lot of people in this building tonight, including myself, that could testify. Boy, if I'd listened to God, if I'd obeyed God's word, it'd have saved me a lot of trouble. But you know what I'm trying to do now? I'm trying to admonish you. I'm admonishing myself as I preach. Be sober. Be vigilant. I say this again, and I'm done. You ain't got to be afraid of the devil. But you better be aware of him. You better be aware. He's defeated. Victory is won at Calvary. But we still have an enemy tonight.
But I'm glad that greater is He that is in you than he that's in the world. Let's stand for prayer tonight. Brother Matthews, come. Blair verse of invitation. I preached 31 minutes. I appreciate your attention. I appreciate these verses that the Apostle Peter has given us in these.